10, 20, 30, 40, 50, or more. A snippet from an old song would be played at this point of the podcast version of Charlottesville Community Engagement, but that would cost resources that would be better spent bringing you information to help you engage with the communities around Charlottesville. It is October 20th or 1020 on one side of the Atlantic, or 2010 on the other side of the Atlantic, followed either way by 2022. On today's installment, there's a new Chief of Public Transportation for all of Virginia. Charlottesville City Council takes several actions, including changes to the Transient Occupancy Ordinance and a clarification on whether freelance writers provide a taxable service. Council holds the first reading on $700,000 to replace an underground storage tank, and they also consider paying seven months' worth of rent for a local nonprofit and other news from the October 17, 2022 meeting of Charlottesville City Council. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Charlottesville Jazz Society wants you to know about their last show of the year, coming up on October 28th. The Society will present French modern jazz group Ozma as they celebrate their 20th anniversary with their first-ever tour of the United States, borrowing largely from rock grammars, Traditional music and electronic landscapes, Ozma's music has been praised for its willingness to imagine John Coltrane jamming with Radiohead or explosive drummer Billy Cobham playing with the best New Orleans brass bands. The show is Friday, October 28th at Unity of Charlottesville on Hydraulic Road. For tickets and more information, visit seavillejazz.org. A key ingredient in plans to both reduce traffic congestion and greenhouse gas emissions is public transportation. In Virginia, there's a brand new person heading up efforts to improve bus and train routes throughout the Commonwealth. The Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation has named Zach Trogdon to be the new Chief of Public Transportation. Here's a section from a press release from the DRPT. Trogdon will lead the evaluation, assistance, and execution of a $4.7 billion portfolio of public transportation, commuter assistance, and congestion management programs throughout the Commonwealth. Trogdon has been the executive director of the Williamsburg Area Transit Authority and has worked in government for over 20 years. According to the release, he helped the William Area Transit Authority establish a capital fund to buy, repair, and maintain the fleet. Trogdon's hiring comes at a time when a governance study is underway to prepare the potential creation of a regional transit authority for this area. Both Albemarle and Charlottesville have contributed funds to the study, which is being coordinated by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. A regional transit partnership has been in place since 2017 to pick up the pieces after an earlier effort to form a regional transit authority failed in the late 2000s. Monday's regular meeting of the Charlottesville City Council featured several smaller items and a few big ones that add up to a lot of business. The rest of this newsletter goes through them one by one. Did I get to it all? Listen to find out. First, Council took a vote to approve the relocation of a sewer line for the redevelopment of 209 Maury Avenue. That's a property right on the border with the University of Virginia. 
In May, Council approved a special use permit allowing for additional density and a parking reduction for a total development of 64 units. Here is City Attorney Lisa Robertson. As part of the development process, the current developer is going to be constructing a new sewer line in a different location than the one that was established um, previously. That required a vote from council to change the easement and to make a boundary line adjustment. They'll later have to come back and accept the new public right-of-way for the sewer. By going ahead and approving the vacation, you'll allow the developer to proceed with various financing applications and to proceed with the development. This was a public hearing, but the agenda for the meeting did not indicate that. No one spoke during the public hearing, either in person or virtually. Mayor Snook has seen no raised hands. All right. So the public hearing is now closed. Next, council changed the rules, classifying whether freelance writers and authors are subject to the city's business license ordinance. The Virginia Supreme Court in City of Charlottesville versus Regulus Books ruled earlier this year that Charlottesville's ordinance did not sufficiently specify that work from the profession was a service that triggered tax collections. Here's Todd Divers, the Commissioner of the Revenue. In my opinion, curiously found um, a deficiency in our uh, business license ordinance, and so this measure attempts, uh, it will address it. Divers said the new ordinance creates a specific category for writers under subclassification H. Those are businesses that must pay 36 cents for every $100 of gross receipts. The city has had to refund several thousand dollars in taxes to several people who had previously been taxed incorrectly. There was no discussion on council, and the motion passed 5-0. to zero. Divers was also on hand to brief council on a requested change to the city's transient lodging tax ordinance. Uh, the General Assembly, for the last two years, has made some significant changes um, to provisions of sales tax and local uh, transient occupancy tax to try to address uh, various issues raised by online travel agencies and uh, online uh, travel platforms like Airbnb and others. Divers said council made some changes last year, but the 2022 legislation forces the city to make new ones related to how the taxes are collected and reported. The new law also allows the taxation on the total charge for a stay, such as cleaning fees. Divers said the ordinance needed to be adopted immediately because the new online intermediaries will begin collecting local lodging taxes this month. He added that he expects more legislative changes in three months at the General Assembly. Several councillors asked if there was anything in this update that would make it easier to police short-term rentals that might be in violation of zoning. Divers said that was a separate issue related to staffing. Right now, I mean, you've got one guy policing this, uh, Reed Broadhead, um, and it's very, very difficult uh, for one person to do it. He operates on complaints. There are not many complaints. Broadhead is the zoning administrator for Charlottesville. The update also prepares for a new hotel within Charlottesville's borders that isn't actually within Charlottesville's borders. Uh, In anticipation of the University of Virginia opening a hotel in town, um, there was a curious little exemption in the local code that exempted um, stays in educational institutions. 
our position is that um, the lodging tax, I mean, yeah, um, transient occupancy tax will be applicable to stays in that hotel when it's built. The new code specifies that dormitories are exempt. Ground was broken for a new 214-room hotel earlier this month, with completion expected in the spring. A second reading of this ordinance was waived, and the updates passed 5-0. to zero. Council also voted to note that collection of the city's cigarette taxes is now handled by the Blue Ridge Cigarette Tax Board, operated by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. That also passed 5-0 to zero with little discussion. Second reading was also waived. There was another vote to amend the city code related to tax relief for elderly and disabled persons. Divers said his intention had been to merge that program with the Charlottesville Housing Affordability Program, or CHAP. We obviously cannot merge those programs, but this kind of closes the loop on that and brings the real estate tax relief program uh, as close to in line with CHAP as we can. Changes include dropping the eligibility threshold for net worth for the non-CHAP tax relief program. There was a long discussion about the numbers being used in the various calculations and a lot of wordsmithing until City Councilor Brian Pinkston raised a procedural question. I'm wondering, do we feel like this whole uh, ordinance might profit with two more weeks worth of conversation or do we feel like we're close to a resolution? Robertson agreed it would be good to resolve the dispute before voting on the ordinance, which related to the method to be used to calculate income and eligibility. This item will come back to council at their next meeting on November 7th. But first, we have to get through items from the rest of the October 17th meeting. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in this second subscriber-supported shout-out, Charlottesville Community Bikes believes that bicycles can be a means to social change, addressing issues of equity, access, and inclusion. They provide free bikes to adults who need one, and have a special program that provides free bikes to children. Their mobile bike repair clinics continue on Monday, with an appearance at Greenstone on 5th on Prospect Avenue to be co-held with Come As You Are. Want to learn more or to support their work? Charlottesville Community Bikes is currently seeking matching funds for a grant from the Outride Fund. Visit charlottesvillecommunitybikes.org to learn more. We are still going through the city council meeting from October 17th, 2022. Will we get through the entire thing? Stay tuned. For the rest of the meeting, the council took action on items with financial impacts. The first was a request to spend an additional $700,000 from the Capital Improvement Program Budget's Contingency Fund for cost overruns on a project to replace the underground fuel storage tanks at the city's fuel station on Avon Street. Michael Goddard is a senior project manager in the city's public works department. That fuel station has been in place for quite a while, and the below-ground fuel storage tank is at the end of its usable life um, and is becoming uninsurable at this point. 
Goddard said a recent crash involving a bus has damaged the fuel station, and the city is currently using a fuel card system to purchase fuel from a third-party vendor. He said the next storage tank will be above ground. Uh, there are a lot of benefits of that sort of a tank, um, not the least of which is uh, the fact that it's easy to decommission should the time come that we don't need a fueling station anymore. Goddard said the project needs an additional $700,000 to meet the lowest bid. Charlottesville City Councilor Brian Pinkston suggested finding another solution altogether, including maybe partnering with Albemarle County. Is this like an essential thing that we have to have to function as a city, or is there another way to do it? Interim city manager Michael C. Rogers said the city has many vehicles that need to be fueled, and it is more cost-effective to have an in-house fuel depot. What we are doing now, um, though we are supporting the local economy, <laughs> is costing us more money. Then and, and and over time, it's uh, as gas keeps going, the price of gas keeps going up. It's going to cost us more. Council's discussion was a first reading, and the item will be on the consent agenda on November 7th. Charlottesville has many tools in the effort to provide more residential units in the city that are below market. Two of them date back to 2007. One is the establishment of the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund, which has disbursed $46.7 million in funds since 2010, according to a report that Council was briefed on this past April. The other is a loan to the Piedmont Housing Alliance to assist Woodard Properties in acquiring Dogwood Housing. Here's Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders. In 2007, uh, Council at that time extended a loan in the amount of $850,000 uh, for the acquisition of 57 residential units to be uh, maintained as rental properties. Sanders said Woodard Properties have come back to Council before to extend the loan, and the latest period of forgiveness ends at the end of the month. They are requesting another five-year period. Council granted the extension with no discussion, except to substitute some of the language in the resolution. In the near future, Charlottesville could very well finalize plans to renovate Buford Middle School to accommodate 6th grade students, a first step toward a long-planned and long-awaited reconfiguration of the city's schools. The school board got an update on construction estimates in September, and the final number will factor heavily into the city's budget discussions for the next fiscal year. On Monday, council approved guidelines for the use of funds that could be raised through something called the Public-Private Education Facilities and Infrastructure Act, which goes by the acronym PPEA. Here is city attorney Lisa Robertson. Under the act... The General Assembly conferred upon um, uh, local entities such as the city of Charlottesville a process by which major construction projects, major um, um, uh, improvements to real estate could be conducted through a competitive process that is more flexible and less prescriptive than the Public Procurement Act. A key reason to do this is to potentially bring down the cost 
through efficiencies, and through a more flexible schedule. In the staff report, Robertson listed some examples. The city of Harrisonburg has constructed school buildings in at least one public park. The city of Fredericksburg is currently using the PPEA process for the design and construction of improvements to upgrade and expand a wastewater treatment plant. The town of Christiansburg used PPEA procedures for a stream restoration and culvert replacement project. Spotsylvania used PPEA procedures for construction of a new circuit court building. Robertson didn't specify the Buford project could be constructed through a PPEA, nor did the staff report list any specific examples. Charlottesville City Councilor Brian Pinkston could think of a few. One of the things we can do with this is to work with local nonprofit partners on these what I'll call hybrid projects where we're trying to accomplish something together and there will be private funds coming in through the nonprofit and we may be providing project management support or something like that on the on the city side, but um, this will give us flexibility in terms of how that those procurements work. Council approved the guidelines with one change, making sure that the application fee for such a project would be $1,500. The Jefferson School Center for African American Heritage has asked the city to help it cover the cost of the rent it pays to the Jefferson School Foundation. That's the entity that owns the former elementary school. The center leases just over 11,000 square feet at a cost of $15,134.76 per month. Staff has recommended council donate seven months of rent to cover the center from December 1st through the end of next June for a total of $107,203.32. Here's Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders. Um, The reason for taking this action at this moment is to provide council the space that it needs to conduct its strategic planning session to determine how it will engage in investments for uh, moments like this to invest in uh, arrangements with nonprofit organizations going forward. Sanders said that conversation will also include a further discussion of how the city treats nonprofits to which it rents property. At the same time, the city is still seeking requests from firms to facilitate a new strategic plan. The funding will come from Council's Strategic Opportunities Fund. Sanders said a previous $950,000 for this purpose went to an escrow account, whereas this payment will go directly to the center. City Councilor Michael Payne said he would want to make a long-term commitment to the center. I would definitely want to prioritize finding a way for the Heritage Center to be able to stay there longer term. Um, I know there's a bigger discussion about um, nonprofit leases and rentals, but I think it would be very short-sighted for us to lose some of these community spaces for just another restaurant or you know whatever else. Council held the first reading of this item and agreed to hold the second as part of the consent agenda for the November 7th, 2022 meeting. We are not yet done with the council meeting from October 17th, 2022. Future installments will go back through a budget work session from 4 o'clock that day, as well as a vote on use of American Rescue Plan Act funds. The length of this newsletter is already pushing 3,000, and Substack really hates that. But Substack does not hate that we're at the end of another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and another one will soon be on the way. A constant refrain I have is that there's so much to get to, and I do hope to get to more in the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you to the new paid subscribers who have signed up in the last few days, as well as the new Patreon contributor. 
all of the funding goes to Town Crier Production, a company that so far only employs me. It's my hope that that will change as more people fund this particular style of journalism. You may note that a lot of the links in this newsletter go to Information Charlottesville, and you may wonder what that is. It's an archive site created by me to archive the various segments you read and listen to. This podcast, newsletter, and infoseville.com are all intended to help keep a record of what happens at the local level, which to me never ever seems obscure or mundane. Thank you for being here for the journey where I try to convince you that this is worth paying attention to. Ting will match the initial payment made by paid Substract subscribers, which certainly goes a long way to help planning for the future of this newsletter. Paid subscribers get to take a first look at content, such as the September 22 property transactions that went out yesterday morning. Everyone else will be able to see that on Monday for free on Information Charlottesville. And if you do sign up, Ting will match that initial subscription. Even if you don't sign up for a paid subscription to the newsletter, Ting still wants your custom. And if you sign up through a link in their newsletter, you will get free installation, a $75 gift card to the downtown mall, and a second month for free. Just enter the promo code COMMUNITY. What else is missing today? I think the Bracky thing, the Seaville Town Crier thing. Look, seriously, I want to get to the next one as soon as I can. So I'm going to hit stop and we're all going to get on with our day and get ready for number four, four, seven. Thank you very much for listening. Please do share with people you think might be interested. And uh, there will never be a video version unless I get paid for that too. Goodbye.